You are listening to the sermon series, Follow. In this sermon, Pastor Dan Chung examines the gospel according to Luke, the identity of Jesus, and the cost of discipleship. The following is a presentation of LifeLight Church in San Francisco. For more information and other audio content, please visit LifeLightChurch.org. So we're talking about um, following Jesus, what it means to follow Jesus, the cost of discipleship, has been the focus of the study of Luke, correct? Mm-hmm. So what do we know so far? Let's review a little bit um, as to what we have learned about following Jesus. Some of you said something that's interesting. Uh, follow Jesus or... Die. <laughs> <laughs> what are you here? Yeah, you, oh, you're, you're here, yeah. Um, Follow Jesus or die. <laughs> okay, that's not really it, right? Following Jesus is, you know, come and follow means come and die. die. Following Jesus means dying. It's not <laughs> follow Jesus or die. Um, following Jesus means coming and dying. That's that's really speaking about the cost of what it means to follow Jesus, right? But the other part of it, cost of not following Jesus is what? It's even worse, right? It's the eternity, the death. And eternity is the, the other side of it. The cost of following Jesus is dying. It's heavy, but cost of not following Jesus is even, even heavier. Some of you know uh, are familiar with the, the quote by C.S. Lewis. That's one of the famous ones. He, he said, The Christianity, the faith in Jesus, is, if it's not true, it means nothing. Right? Um, but if it's true, it means everything. It's of highest importance, is what he says. But what, one thing that it's not is mediocrity. It just can be in the middle, right? It's either great, the most important, or it means nothing, right? It just can be in the middle. Right? And you're going to see the people, especially in this season of Christmas, they would declare, oh, I'm going to church because it's Christmas. That mediocrity is really what kills the church, what kills um, people, what removes people from really truly following Jesus. And as you know, life like we talk about us being a boot camp is that we really want to instill that in all the, all the members and people who join in this community is that it's do or die. It's either you commit or you don't. There is no mediocrity. And one of the warnings that we have on the churches in the Revelation is a church that has is lukewarm. These are not hot, not cold. It's just mediocre. And that's not... Acceptable. That is. That doesn't make sense. It's. It doesn't make sense. It's either of great importance or nothing. It can't be in the middle. So the book that we're studying, Gospel of Luke, really is about teaching that. It's what it means to follow Jesus, and it cost everything. It cost everything. So last week, what did we talk about last week? Jesus was there, and he was saying a lot of things, but he was saying saying a lot of mean things. Remember. He was just saying a lot of mean things like, anybody remember? You brood of snakes. Something like that, close. Uh, were you here last Sunday? No. Oh, good guess. Yeah, he's talking to Pharisees and lawyers. And what does Jesus say? Huh? That's right, he was dining with them. As he was dining with them, right. And uh, he didn't wash his hands. <laughs> and uh, Pharisees got on that. And he said, like, woo to you. And he just went off. On Pharisees, right? And lawyers came, hey, 
When you say these things to Pharisees, who are the, our followers beneath us, who are following us, supporting us, you make, you make even us bad. And Jesus turned to them and they said, well, would to you, and you're terrible, and he just went off on them. Right? He just went off. And at the end of last week, at the end of chapter 11, what does it end with? What do we have? Said that Jesus, as he was leaving, he was what? What happened to him? He had a conflict with Pharisees and lawyers. They were trying to, you know, just abuse him. They were trying to argue with him. So, that's where we left off, where Jesus is having conflict with Pharisees and, and lawyers. And these are powerful people. I mean, these are the most powerful people in Israel at that time. So, you must kind of try to imagine, like, what must be going on. Jesus getting, you know, shoved around by Pharisees, and they're yelling at him, they're trying to pick a fight with him, they're abusing him, and... What would you do? How would you feel if you were disciples of Jesus? How would you feel? You're going, like, whoa, what's going on? And you would, some of you, some, some people might be saying, Jesus, maybe you want to kind of ease off on that. Because these people can really hurt us, right? And they can. You know, they have power over us. Maybe you want to just ease off. Maybe just kind of take it easy, maybe avoid them. You know, and these are people with power, and they can really abuse us. You know, that's maybe how the disciples might be engaging with Jesus, because they're seeing this and go, "Wow, this is, this is heavy. This is, you know, this is heavy stuff." Should we maybe just back off a little bit? Mm-hmm. So that's that's where we're left off, and that's where we pick up uh, Luke chapter twelve, verse one through twelve. So let's go ahead and read the text for today in your sermon notes. You have, uh, you don't have one. Here's one. I read verse one, and I read one verse, and you read the next. Here we go, Luke chapter twelve, verse one. Meanwhile, when the crowd gathered by the thousands, so that they trampled on one another, he began to speak first to his disciples: "Beware of the yeast of Pharisees, that is, their hypocrisy." Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have whispered behind closed doors will be proclaimed from the house housetops. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. But even even the hairs even the hairs of your head are all counted. Do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. But whoever denies me before others will be denied before the angels of God. When they bring you before the synagogues, the rulers and the authorities, do not worry about how you are to de- defend yourselves or what you are to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you Word of the Lord. Let me pray real quick. Jesus, we thank you for your word and we thank you that we get to hear the teachings of Jesus through the Bible as we study these and as we reflect I pray that you would convict us with your word, with your teaching, that our hearts will be humbling 
and we'll be soft to receive you and your words will shape us in the way that would please you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. So, chapter 12, verse 1 through 12 is an interesting one. If you look at other Gospels, you're going to see these sayings kind of scattered all over. So these are kind of collection of things of Jesus. Um, and you would imagine, I mean, Jesus taught a lot. He spoke a lot. So, if you were to put all his teachings in the Bible, I mean, it would be too much. So, these are collections of his teachings, and that's, that's okay, because if, like, Ken and, you know, Monica takes notes, not all of you do, takes notes of, you know, my sermon and Bible study, but if you were to put together, take parts from different places, and put together and make a teaching, would that be okay? That's okay, right? Because these are sayings that are uh, within the context, with these are same, same, same teachings that he does over and over. So what we have in here in verse 1 through 12 is collection of G- uh, Jesus saying, and we know that audience, who's the audience? In verse 1 he says, he began to speak first to his disciples. Right? He's speaking to his disciples first. They are the ones in front of him, but uh, is that it? Who else is out there? The Pharisees and the Sadducees. They're probably there too. And how many people? Thousands. Thousands of people. That's a lot of people. You have to imagine this is... Usually, towns are usually of population of 80. Maybe less than 100. Mm-hmm. So having thousands of people there is... The towns are cleared out. Right? I mean, this is a big, big deal. And they are... It says, when the crowd gathered by the thousands so that they trampled on one another. We have privilege of understanding what that's like because we just went past Black Friday. People got trampled on at Walmart, so we heard. So many people, and they are trying to get close to Jesus, so they're, tra- they're getting trampled on each other. Right? This is a big deal. This is heavy stuff that's going on. So the backdrop of this story, these teachings that's going on, is what just happened. What's going on with Jesus in regards to Pharisees and other people, really, the people of religious um, powers? There's conflict, right? That's the backdrop of it. Backdrop of it is that Jesus is conflict with religious leaders. And by the context, if you under, look at it by the context, we also can understand this isn't only about what's going on then as Jesus is speaking. This is Luke who brought the collection of Jesus' teaching and teaching, writing it, not only for the one person, but also for the church. Church then in, you know, uh, first century, but also for us. So, not only about the conflict that Pharisees are having on them, but also what's to come in the lives of disciples. And we know that disciples of Jesus were all martyred, most of them. And all the first, first uh, century Christians, they were facing the persecution. They were facing persecution and hardship from not only from the Jerusalem, the uh, Jews and religious leaders, but also from all over. So that's, a, that's the backdrop of it. So to that, the theme is, Today's theme is fear. And it's mentioned five times. Jesus mentions Pharisees. And he, when he mentions in this context, basically he's mentioning Pharisees as people who use power to harm or intimidate someone weaker. Right? They have the authority. And we have a word for these type of people and they're called, it's called bullies. Basically what these are, these are religious bullies. And when you understand bullies, and I was a bully, when I was growing up, um, I was bullied as far back as I can remember. Maybe I was born bully, right? I was bullied as far back as I can remember, all the way up to you know when I was maybe like in fifth grade or sixth grade, right? And when you think of bullies, and you know our 
you know, what comes on our, on our mind is just this big, chubby guy we see in the movies who just pushes little kids around. Right? We think of them as bullies, but bullies come in all shape, all kinds of shape and form and sizes. Right? Um, there are bullies who are mean and rude and who's cruel, but there are also bullies who are nice and sweet and they smile at you and they flirt with you and they give you compliments. I mean, you've all seen mean girls. You know, my gosh, look at the skirt, so vintage, right? She's a, she's a bully, right? If you've seen the movie, she's a bully. So bullies come in all sizes and kinds and forms, and they sometimes are mean, but in the front, they may be sweet, right? And they're bullies in, you know, your workplaces, your bosses may be uh, bullies, your teachers, your uh, pastors can be bullies, your coach, if you're in, you know, sports teams, um, your supposedly friends can be bullies. Uh, your parents can be bullies and also kids can be bullies. <laughs> kids can be bullies. I've seen little kids being bullied, mm-hmm. right? They come in all sizes or in all forms. Bullies are what we have in our society and some of us are bullies in one way or another. So, Jesus is talking about Pharisees and he's, he's you know, referring to them. He understands they are religious bullies. But also in verse 1, he also says, beware of East of Pharisees. That is their hypocrisy. Hypocrisy, being a hypocrite. The definition of hypocrisy, uh, when you look at it in Greek word, this word is literally a mask. Somebody who wears a mask. And it actually refers to an actor who's playing a role. That's what it is to be hypocrite. So basically for these religious leaders, the best way to understand is religious leaders are, they say they love God and love people, but on the other side, they love power. They love control more than they love Jesus and they love people. And, uh, you know, sadly, these type of people have kind of stamped on us Christians and what's commonly most people look at Christians and they call us what? Hypocrites, right? They call us hypocrites. We sort of have that stamp on, oh, Christians, oh, they're hypocrites. But are we? Are Christians hypocrites? No. Okay. <laughs> Let me answer that in three ways, okay? Number one... Some Christians are not Christians. Some Christians, they call themselves Christian, and you meet them, I'm a Christian. Okay, right? But they're really not. It's like somebody who walks up to you and say, I'm a nice guy. Say, okay. But you get to know them, and they're really not, right? And you get to know somebody, you know, I'm really smart. Okay, right? But you get to know them, and they're really not. (laughs) The same thing. Some people will tell you that I'm a Christian, but you get to know them, and the way they live, the way they think, the, uh, the, their values and how they chase Jesus is really not. They're, they're, they are not Christians, even though they say they are. So they really can't be a Christian when they're really not a Christian. Secondly, some Christians are hypocrites when you're looking at this definition. Because when you look at even myself and even the leaders, even yourself, when you look at your lives very closely, there is inconsistency in our lives. Right? We say we want to do this way, but we fail sometimes. But then again, it's not just Christians, right? Non-Christians are like that too. We know the one group of people who are very much like that, and they are politicians, right? They say one thing, but they're not. There's inconsistency in what they say and what they actually carry on and value, right? Leaders, a lot of leaders are like that. You know? So there is inconsistency, and part of it is just because we are human, right? We make mistakes and we fail even though we want to do better. 
But in the end, third, we're not hypocrites because what do you have to say when you become a Christian? I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner, right? We already said we're sinner. We already say we're terrible. We can't be a hypocrite because we already said we're terrible. We're sinner. We are in need of Jesus. We are in need of mercy of God. Oh, see, you did a bad thing. I know. I'm a sinner, <laughs> right? We can't be. We can't be uh, hypocrites. So, what are religious hypocrites? And especially in Jesus' time, these are people who do this, and we have these type of people even today. And they are people who say, "Oh, you have a lot of sin. I don't. You struggle with these things. I don't struggle with any of that stuff, right? I can judge you, but you cannot judge me." That's these are the religious hypocrites. These are Pharisees and these are the lawyers who say, who judge people, who say they are sinners, but who don't claim uh, themselves as sinners. So what we have, the people that Jesus are referring to are bu- uh, bullies and hypocrites, basically Pharisees and lawyers. Um, and he says two things. The back of your page. He says two things. First, he says what? He says, beware of them. He says, watch out. He says, watch out. And if you know bullies, they have very predictable patterns of abusing people, right? How do bullies abuse people? First, right, they threaten you with punishment, like something that's going to happen, like, you know, I'm going to tell on you if you do that. If you don't do this, if you don't give me your, you know, I'm going to do that. They threaten you with punishment or they embarrass you or humiliate you. These are what bullies do, right? They, you walk by, they trip you, and they laugh at you. They want to embarrass you and humiliate you, and that's how they practice their power over you, right? Um, or they practice, you know, they show uh, intimidate you. They're rude, you know, shoving you, and they're just inconsiderate, right? They're intimidate you, like I'm gonna meet you after school, right? I don't know. Has that has that happened to anybody? You really? Can count on like me being in the parking lot, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes, right. They, that's their tactics, intimidating, and they they make up rules too. Like you got to do this, or or else you're gonna be in trouble. Like that's not in the rule, but I'm making up the rule. Like I was a bully, and in Korea, like after school you have to clean up the students. They have divided into different groups, and you have to clean up the classrooms. I don't know if you experienced that, but that's how you are. Like students clean up the classroom every day after school. Nikki, did you do that in China? Yeah, that's how it is. But I was a bully. So I like sit on teacher's chair with a stick and I tell people, you're going to have to do that, you're going to have to do that, you're going to have to do that. And if they don't listen to me, I would, you know, cane them, right? I mean, I was a bully. So that's what bullies do. They make up rules. That's not there. They make up rules. I know I was terrible. <laughs> um, and, but you see this with kids too. I, I watch Hannah's friends, you know, playing. Kids make up rules. Like, that's not in a rule. Right? No, we're going to do this and you can't do that. You can't do that. They make up rules. Yeah. Right? With, with kids. You start winning and they say it's cheating. Right. <laughs> there you go. You start winning. No, you're cheating. We're going to change the rules now. So I can win. That's what bullies do. So Jesus said, these bullies, Pharisees, he said, watch out. Beware of them. Know how they operate. Know what they do to you. Beware. And secondly, he says, what? says, don't be scared. And verse 4, he says, I tell you, my friends, do not fear them. And Jesus goes on to explain why 
we don't have to fear them. Why we shouldn't fear these people? So, but we're not only talking about Pharisees here. And I, you know, I bet Luke isn't only talking about Pharisees. He's talking about his wider audience, which is the first church in, you know, church in first century. So who, are they, who, who is he talking about? He's talking about um, not only Pharisees, but people, the mob, the Roman soldiers, the family members, you know, other Jews, people of the community, that's going to come after you when you declare yourself Christians in first century. Right? I mean, probably, maybe, he's talking about, when Jesus was saying this, maybe Stephen was in the crowd, who, by the mob of cry, crowd, was stoned to death. Right? He's talking about more people, not just Pharisees, people who's going to be after you, who's going to try to abuse you just because of your belief, just because that you want to follow Jesus. So you have to imagine the listeners of this first gospel, the first listeners, are thinking about the persecution they're receiving and the kind of people that are abusing and opposing them. So they may fear um, you know, great amount of people outside just their community. And, and for us, Obviously, we don't have Pharisees around us, right? But we do have some bad teachers and we have some bullies and religious bullies. But are we persecuted? Are any of you persecuted? Yeah. Sometimes we can say, oh man, someone yelled at me, uh, being a Christian, someone made fun of me, and I'm being persecuted. But we may be suffering, but compared to what really means to be persecuted, we're not. We're actually fairly okay, Right? We're okay, right? Verbally abused, we are. Embarrassed and stuff, but we're not. But we are suffering. We are suffering because of what we believe. We're suffering financially, emotionally, and spiritually, and physically. And that's the way it's going to be. If you actually live your life right as a Christian, you're suffering. You have to be. Jesus said, He suffered. We're going to suffer. We're going to have to suffer. That's how it's going to be if you're actually living our lives as a Christian rightly. But are we suffering by people? Are we suffering by people? So the question is, is there people that you are afraid of? Is the question. In that, Jesus' teaching is something that we receive here is more in a bigger scope of life as a Christian. And on that verse I have right underneath, it says on Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25, says, The fear of others lays a snare. In other translations, it says, The fear of men is a trap. Fear of men, being afraid of people, is a trap. Basically, it means it's going to bring trouble. And we know that it does, right? We know that it does. When you are afraid of people, when you are dealing with people, their fear brings us stress, anxiety, we're sad, we're worried, we're stressed out, things are not working out. It brings trouble. So, what Jesus is talking about in a bigger scope is fear of men. <clears throat> fear of men. And it says fear of men brings trouble. So there's a really good book on this. It's recently published. It's by Edward Welch. And it's called When People Are Big and God Is Small. And he gives really good perspective on this fear of men in comparison to, obviously, fear of God. And um, fear of men, the biblical definition that he gives, and I quote, being afraid of someone, but it extends to holding someone in awe, 
being controlled or, or mastered by someone, worshipping other people, putting your trust in people, or needing people. That goes in the same definition as, as fear of men. And obviously it's not just men, but men, women, and also children. So the Welsh says, in summary, the fear of men, we replace God with people. Instead, biblical guided fear of Lord, we fear others. And fear of man, you think, okay, fear of man, what is that? That's a very biblical term. So he also gives a different term. There's different names for fear of man. He says, when we are younger, when, when we are in uh, our teens, it's called peer pressure. When we are older, it's called people pleasing. Recently, it has been called codependency. So with these labels in mind, we can spot the fear of man everywhere. So the question is, do you fear men? Do you fear others? Do you fear people? So I have a checklist here, in case you don't think you are. And this is, uh, this is by Welch. <clears throat> this is by Welch, the, the, uh, the author of the book. So let's go through this list really quick. And I want you to see, you know, make a mental check of it. You don't need to say, that's me. Make a mental, men, you know, mental check of, oh, that's me, that's me, and that's me. Okay, first, number one. Have you struggled, have you ever struggled with peer pressure? If you did, most likely it's still there. You are still struggling with it, mentally, okay? Number two, are you overcommitted? That means, do you have a hard time saying no to people? Now, the peer pressure is another word for fear of man. People pleasing is also another word for fear of man. You have a hard time saying no because you got to please everybody. Number okay, next, do you need something from your spouse? Now, none of you are married. I am. Um, but the question here is, oh, you are, I'm sorry, you are. <laughs> But this is good. As you look into the marriage, you can count this in in your perspective of what a marriage should be. In a marriage, do you need your spouse to approve you, to um, respect you, to listen to you? Is that the way that your spouse is? Do you need your spouse? And in my marriage with Esther, and she would say, you know, even if I'm gone, you're not going to need me. You'll be fine. And I say, yeah, I'll be just fine. I don't need you. But I want you. You know, and she's the same, she's, she's same way. I'm going to say she's the same way. Right? So, do you need someone? And that's also about, you know, fear of others. And Welch says, having that as your spouse will, your spouse will control you. And he said, quietly take place of God. Next. Is self-esteem a critical concern for you? And Welch says the most popular way the fear of man is expressed in the United States is self-esteem. If that's a critical issue for you, then your life evolves around what others think. Next, are you always second-guessing decisions because of what others might think? This is you, oh, I'm going to do that. Wait, I don't know how they're going to like it. Maybe I should do that. I don't know if they're going to like that. You're always second-guessing. You're always changing your mind because you're afraid of what others might think. Next, do you feel empty or meaningless and experience love hunger? 
that you needing others to feed you, you just feel empty, unless there are others who's being there for you, or pouring out to you. Number seven, next, are you easily embarrassed? Shy? Are you shy? And if you are, you exalt the opinions of others. You're ruled by others. That's why you're embarrassed, right? That's you're shy. Like, I don't want to be there. Why? Because I'm shy. Why are you shy? Because I'm afraid of what others might think of me. Fear of men. Other side of that, do you avoid people? Some people avoid people because they're shy. Some people avoid people just because they don't want to deal with them. But yet, even so, they are ruled by what other people would bring to them. Fear of men. Next, do you ever lie to cover up shame? To make yourself look good? Do other people make you angry, sad, or depressed? Makes you crazy? This is where just concern of other people, whatever other people have done to you or said to you, just kind of drives you. It's control you. Like you get bogged down with it, like I can't get out of this thinking. I'm sad, I'm worried, I'm angry. And that they have become the center of your life. They're just too big of a deal in your life where they shouldn't be. Next, do you try to impress people? Going through different diets, fashion, the way you look, what you have, your phones, computers, and do you try to impress people? Do you take too much responsibilities? This is people who, well, I can do that, I can do that, I can do that. I mean, I'm, I can save you, I can heal you, I can you know, provide for you. It just takes way too much responsibility, again, for others, right? Fear of men. Last two, are you overly committed to being nice, keeping peace, and avoiding conflict? Did Jesus come to bring peace? No, he did not. And we're going to get to that. He says, I didn't come here to bring peace. He says, I came to, to split people apart. And uh, fear of man, these people, some, some people are just constantly trying to bring peace to people. Just constantly avoiding conflict. I want to make sure everyone's fine. I want to make sure everyone's happy. And then again, you are ruled by other people, what other people think. Lastly, when you compare yourself with others, do you feel good about yourself? And uh, Welch said this is the most successful fear of men. This is the most dangerous. When you compare yourself, you feel good that you've made it in comparison to others. That I'm good, I'm fine compared to these people. So the conclusion is, we all have fear of men. And what said, does it include you? Fear of men is such a part of a human fabric that we should check for a pulse if someone denies it. It's there. That's who we are. And you know, some of you might think, as we go through this list, you're thinking, well, everybody's like that. And yeah, precisely. Everybody is like that. But people shouldn't be like that, especially the ones who follow Jesus. So that's why Jesus is saying to them, you are afraid of people, but don't be afraid. So the teaching of Jesus here is, first, Jesus says, why we shouldn't fear men. says instead, fear who? Fear God. Verse 4 says, do not fear those who kill the body. And after that, can do nothing more. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after he has killed, because God can kill if he wants to. It's his freedom. Who has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I will tell you, I tell you, fear him. 
say, don't fear man. The worst thing they can do is kill you. <laughs> that's the worst thing they can do. And you might say, well, that's kind of big deal. Dying is a big deal, right? But is it? Is dying big deal? No. Are you afraid of? Are you afraid of death? Because, you know, these people are talking about Christian martyrs and they say, if you're a Christian, I'm going to kill you. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of dying. And some of you say, oh, I'm not afraid of dying. And there's a, one of my favorite uh, artists is uh, Ben Harper. And one of his songs, he says, I'm not afraid of dying, but I'm afraid of living. Right? Some of us are more afraid of living than dying. Living is hard. And you know, to be honest, living as a Christian is even harder than dying. Dying is simple. You die, and you're with Jesus. Cool, right? But living, if you are really living life a Christian, and you have families who oppose you, your family gatherings, Thanksgivings and Christmas, is going to be awkward, right? For the next 40 years. Your friends who oppose you, your friends who ridicule you, your co-workers, if you're actually living out, living is difficult. You would, dying is easy, living is difficult. So, what Jesus is saying is, are you willing to do both? Living your life as followers of Jesus and also be willing to suffer. Humbly suffer and die. Because the worst a man can do is to kill. What's worse than death? What's worse than, worse than death? There you go, hell. <laughs> What's worse than death? Hell. Right? That's what Jesus is saying. Don't be afraid of death. Be afraid of what? Hell. hell. Be afraid of someone who can take you, who would send you to hell. And you have to imagine, if you're a non-believer, if you don't believe in Jesus, this earth is their heaven. This is it. This is as good as it's going to get. This is their heaven. Because what waits after them, death, is hell. For us, this earth is what? Hell. <laughs> it's our hell. This is our hell. This is as worse as it's going to get. Because once we die, what awaits us? Heaven. This is as bad as it's going to get. And Jesus, don't worry about it. And you know... You got to look at it from a larger perspective, much greater perspective. When you consider eternity, and then compare 80 years to eternity, does it really matter? And some of you ask questions about, when I get to heaven, will I know my family? When I get to heaven, will I know this? Like, who remembers your, you know, someone who was in your class when you were like in kindergarten? Do you remember anyone? Like everyone? Like, you think this matters when you're living eternity than like this 80 years of life that you lived on earth? But you will fully know, just like you are fully known. You will fully know, but does it matter? Do you think it matters a lot when you consider it in eternity? It doesn't. Like, you are worried about your first day of school in first grade. Like, oh man, remember how nervous I was? Like, when you look at it now, like, that wasn't a big deal. <laughs> That's how it is. Jesus saying is, don't be afraid of death. This is our, as worse as it's going to get, but heaven awaits. So, life is short, and we have one choice to make, and that choice is either we fear men, or we fear God. And Proverbs says, the fear of man is a trap. It brings trouble, but we know the other verse. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 says, the fear of the Lord is 
the beginning of wisdom. Fear God. Secondly, God says in verse 7, But even the hairs of your head are all counted. Do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. Here's what happens. When you're going through life, and there are people who's harming you, abusing you, the first, the trap for our mind is to think that, where's God? God doesn't care about me. Does God really care? Does God love me? That's the trap when we go through hardships and sufferings. So the Jesus rightly here says, right after that, he says, don't be afraid. I care. The sparrow is the cheapest birds that are sold in the market. He says, see these? I take care of these of cheapest value. You value a lot more. So what Jesus is saying is, God knows you perfectly. Your hair knows, counts every you know, hair. God remembers you continually. God watches you carefully. And God values you deeply. So God cares. God loves. God is there. So this frees us from fearing men. And this is where that the, the, the verse applies. The perfect love casts out, out fear. Okay, that doesn't mean the fear of God. It casts out the fear of God. It means this. The perfect love casts out fear of men. That's what that means. So Jesus says, do not be afraid. Lastly, live for the judgment day. In verse 8, Jesus says, I tell you, Everyone who acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will acknowledge before the angels of God. Right? What does the fear do to people? They keep them silent. And you know this, right? People who are abused, when you hear about people, wives who are abused by you know, the husbands, girlfriends who are abused by um, boyfriends and children who are abused by parents, do they speak up? They don't. That's what fear does. It keeps you silent. It keeps you silent. Right? So Jesus says, acknowledge me. Don't be silent. Right? And uh, here's a word that Welch says. Welch says, there's, I'll give you one word. If you don't think you fear men, here's one word. Evangelism. Have you ever been too timid to share your faith in Christ because others might think you are an irrational fool? And he says, see, gotcha. Everyone's afraid of evangelism at some point in their lives, Right? says, gotcha. Fear of man keeps us from acknowledging Jesus. So Jesus goes on to warn us. There's a warning is followed in verse 9. It says, but whoever denies me before others will be denied before the angels of God. And so this is not only talking about the ultimate thing. Like, oh, when I have gun to my head, would I acknowledge Jesus or not? That's not everything that it's talking about, right? I mean, we know the story um, many years ago in, in Columbus... Not Ohio, is it? The Columbine School. There's a you know the story of a students who had a gun. Colorado. Colorado, Colorado, right? And if you do you say you know say that Jesus is not your Lord and you live and confessed and she died, right? Um, even there are recent stories of these things and it's happening in other parts of the world. And that's not what it's talking about. That's not the only thing that way that Jesus is talking about. And uh, there's a book downstairs, it's called uh, Jesus Freaks. And there are, I have two volumes, both volumes have a countless, you know, there's so many stories of martyrs, modern day martyrs, who have um, confessed faith and died. And how many people do you think die in the name of Jesus nowadays, annually? Take a wild guess. Around the world. 
Good. Yeah. About 100,000 people die annually confessing Jesus. Right? I mean, there's a story that you read, and one of my favorites is this Korean girl, and during the Japanese occupation, Japanese went to church, dragged everyone out, and had everyone lined up, even the pastor, and took out the Bible, threw the Bible on the ground, and says, if you walk by the Bible and spit on the Bible, then you leave. Right? So everyone's going through, just spitting on the Bible. Right? Even the pastor. And this little girl comes, picks up the Bible, wipes it up, and holds in her arms, in her, you know, close to her heart. And she dies. And there are countless stories of just martyrs, people confessing Jesus in the time of, in the you know, face of death. But that's not the only thing that's talking about. Jesus is talking about, are you acknowledging me day to day? Is what Jesus is saying. If you don't acknowledge me, then I'm not going to acknowledge you. I won't know you. Right? It says in other verses, you may say, Lord, Lord, but I would say, when have, you, have I seen you? I've never known you. Go away from me. Right? And this is a, it's a big problem for some people. You think that, oh, ah, Jesus, I didn't deny you. But you didn't acknowledge him either. Are you going through your life just keeping Jesus to yourself? Because you're too afraid of what others might think. And you know, some people, some of you are even afraid to share your faith among believers. <laughs> because you're also, again, afraid of what others might think. The fear of men keeps you silent. Jesus says, he goes on to say, in verse 2, Nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered. Nothing secret that will not become known. And Jesus says, think of the judgment day. And here's the deal. The best way to live our lives as followers of Jesus is with the end in mind. Um, in my program, the, my doctorate program, I recently received the stuff about how I need to, and I had to submit my um, my ideas about the subject of my thesis because I got to do my thesis at the end of project uh, and the, at the end of program. But they said that really the explanation was we want you to go through this program with the end in mind, so that every classes I take that prepares me for the, the thesis that I'm going to write about, and that's what Jesus is talking about here too. Are you living your life with the end in mind? Or are you living for the moment? Because at the end, everything will come to light. At the end, it will be decided who fear men or who fear me. Who acknowledged me and who denied me. At the end, it will come to known that whether you have blasphemed against Holy Spirit. Which means you have rejected Jesus to the very end. He says it will come to known. So are you living momentarily or living with the end in mind? And that's really the point of it all. Are you living with the end in mind? Wanting to see Jesus, having your eyes fixed on Jesus. So let me close it. Um, in summary, Jesus says, don't fear men, fear God. Live for the judgment day. Speak up your truth. Speak up your faith, the truth. And tell people about Jesus. Because they need to hear it. So the question is, and I want you to challenge yourself and go think through is, who? Who's the Lord of your life? The shortest confession of Christians is what? Jesus is Lord. That's the shortest confession. Because Lord is person that you live for, that you live to please, live to be rewarded, and live to be blessed. 
Who is your Lord? Who's sitting on your throne? Because if it's not Jesus sitting on the throne, there's somebody else sitting on it. And it may be your friends, it may be your co-workers, it may be your family, parents, it may be just people who come in your lives. Somebody else is sitting on it. Who's sitting on your throne? And secondly, are you living with the end in mind and not for the moment? Who's the judge over you? Who do you think will be judging you in the end? The people that you know, people who surround you now, or Jesus. Only Jesus is the perfect judge, and He will stand to judge. So, I hope what we learned today helps you make sense of your life. If you had anxiety, stress, sadness, troubles and difficulties and with people and in the way that you live your life, really the trouble is that you fear men. You and I, we fear men. That's where troubles come from. We fear men. And we can learn this, and tomorrow's isn't going to be better, but this is something that's going to take us a lifetime to learn, to struggle, and to get better at. And in order for us to do that, we need the Spirit to guide us. And that's why, again, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will guide you, will teach you, and encourage you, and shape you. Let me pray, and we'll break the bread and the cup. Jesus, we confess that we have someone else who loom larger in, my, in our lives than you. And sometimes we forget that we have displayed you on the throne. We repent and we ask that by the strength of the Holy Spirit that we may bring you back on the throne and that we would fear you and we would live our lives confessing that Jesus is Lord and we live our lives for you, to please you, to be blessed by you and to be rewarded by you. And I pray that these words that we have learned today will shape us, will guide us and it will continue to convict us and encourage us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. This concludes our presentation. For more information and other audio content, please visit lifelightchurch.org. 